Are you looking for a better way to create your dream life? How to create wealth so you can enjoy your hobbies, friends, and family even more? Then this podcast is for you. We're Chris and Paul, and we're on a mission to help regular women and men gain access to passive income opportunities. Income opportunities that most people never even hear of. So let's start the show and create your fortune in wealth, health, and life, one step at a time. Hello, everyone. So you've stopped by the Create Your Fortune podcast to learn what happens to tenants when someone takes over a building, when there's a purchase, right? What happens to the communities? What happens to the tenants who live there? Do the rents go through the roof? Is there mass evictions, chaos and anarchy? No, there's not. So today what we're going to cover are the frequently asked questions uh, that cover some of those topics. You know, what happens to tenants? What happens to the communities? Uh, how high do rents go up, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So let's deep dive right into that. First of all, I want to dispel the rumors, the misnomers, the what you hear in the media out there and tell you from a firsthand account, whether it was a single family or uh, most properties are categorized by like A, B, C, and D, uh, or so whichever category of property it falls under, uh, there are common denominators, right? You're always going to have a few tenants that uh, cause a little trouble, let's say, maybe are undesirable, or maybe even make it miserable for other tenants. Uh, sometimes you're going to have rent increases. It doesn't matter what type of property you're in, A, B, C, D, or mobile homes, or even in single families, you're going to have inflation, uh, and you're, you're going to have hardships. Uh, there's just common denominators when you're talking about housing. It's it's unfortunate, but it's the way it is, right? Uh, in general, you'll have folks maybe who are on fixed incomes, um, perhaps who um, are maybe below uh, the let's say the poverty level, below the average household income in the in the in America, and maybe those folks might. Uh, be more prone to live in mobile home parks or manufactured home parks, or even maybe a, a D, a level D. They call it A, B, C, and D, D being the beginning sort of stages of the multifamily uh, asset class. And those folks are generally going to be in the lower rent range, right? You're going to be somewhere between the five and $600 rent range. Mobile home parks, manufactured homes might even be lower. Again, depending on the market you're living in. And then you're going to be, uh, you're going to be moving up a little into a C class, might be a little bit rougher neighborhood, perhaps. Uh, rents are going to go up a little bit more, maybe from the 650 to 850 range. And then it goes up to a B class, might be maybe a little nicer neighborhood, a few more amenities in the apartment complex, maybe a security gate. And you're going to be a little higher in rents, maybe 800 to a thousand or 1100 or 1200. And then the A class and on up into AA and A plus, you're going to have the finest amenities. You're going to have um, definitely higher rents, somewhere between the 12, 13, 1400 range, all the way up to thousands and thousands of dollars a month. Uh, but you're going to be in the closest, uh, highest desirable MSAs, met measurable, met measurable statistical areas. So a major metropolitan area, like a, a downtown area or close to all the hubs, right? And it's going to be more expensive to live there. But uh, generally, you're going to have higher buildings, you know, 5, 10, 15 stories, and you're going to have a lot of the latest and greatest amenities. But within all of these segments of living, you you will have, uh, you know, a, a whole hodgepodge of tenants, right? You're going to have a whole mix of folks that live there. And 
when you take over a property, uh, let's say a syndication or a sponsorship group comes in and buys an apartment complex, the main goal for buying that apartment complex is to better the community, better the tenant base's living conditions, and of course, make a profit at some point, right? You have to make a profit to stay in business. And all these apartment complexes are businesses. So, you know, some folks will look at, you know, corporate America or corporations or buyers of these buildings and sometimes think negatively of them because there's profit. Um, when, when you're dealing with housing and, and people and their livelihoods uh, and profits, sometimes that, that line, um, can get a little gray, right? And it all depends on your circumstance and where you come from. Um, so let's, let's talk about the facts, not the fiction, not what people think or feel, but what actually goes on. So I'm going to use a real case study of a property that we were involved with and, um, and how we kind of turned that property around. And this will kind of, educate you a little bit. This is real, real data, real facts, right? So we came into a property that was owned by an original owner operator, 35 years. And this was what was considered a, at the point, at that point, maybe a D to a C minus type of property. In other words, it had a lot of uh, deferred maintenance. It had leaky ceilings, <clears throat> excuse me, leaky ceilings and a lot of maintenance issues. There was probably 80 maintenance issue tickets when we took over this property. Um, they weren't fixing anything, but the rents were really low. Rents were like $550 a month. And for that property, the market, all the properties around were charging like $785 to $850 a month at that time, if not even higher. And so you knew immediately that there was probably a lot of tenants living there that were disgruntled. They probably weren't happy with those living conditions, but they were paying really low rent. And so you look at a property like that, you say, well, why? Well, the original owner operators um, were happy to have tenants living there and just collecting rent because they owned the building outright. So they didn't really care to fix anything. They wanted to put all the money in their pocket. Uh, and if they had to fix things, they would have to spend money, right? But they also kept the rents really low, which kept the building pretty full. Now, the challenge with that, though, is that at that low rent, you had a lot of folks that were living there that had been there a long time, which is great. Those folks were really good tenants uh, for the most part, just want a roof over their head and pay their bills and and be left alone. But you had, you know, a good handful in that property that uh, were troublemakers, right? Um, maybe they were dealing drugs or they were, you know, partying or uh, gang members or or whatever. But People that uh, really kind of terrified the average tenant base. You know, when you when you come to this property at night, there were no kids playing around. And I'm not talking late at night. I'm talking right as the sun goes down. There's no kids running around. As a matter of fact, it, you were hard pressed to see any kids playing outside. It was kind of a sad looking property. It was very run down and um, a lot of maintenance issues, you could tell. And um, uh, quite a mix of tenant base, you know, from all backgrounds and uh, different workforce uh, environments, you know, a lot of a lot of blue collar workers, a lot of workforce and uh, folks working there. And, um, and uh, you know, there were a lot of kids in the neighborhood, but a lot of them didn't come out and play. You noticed a lot of dogs, a lot of kind of kind of bigger, scarier dogs running around the neighborhood. And uh, and then there was holes in the back of the fence leading to another apartment complex that was known as a trouble spot in the neighborhood. Right. Bad lighting in the alleys and no cameras that were working or anything. It was just kind of a rough around the edges property. So it's a trade-off, right? Some folks were like, oh, I want to live there because it's cheap. Others were like, you know, man, I sure wish these folks would actually fix stuff because this is a terrible place to live. And when you get to talking to the city council members or the, 
the chief of police or um, other folks in the community, you realize that it is kind of an eyesore and that everybody would love someone to just come in and fix it up. So um, folks that do the right thing actually go and meet with all these people. So this is something that we feel is the right thing to do. So when we go into a community, we generally meet with all those people. We ask a lot of questions like, well, how many years has this been going on? And how long was the last time you and your inspectors came in and looked at this place? And, you know, what kind of things you hear from the tenant base, right? The, the clients, which will potentially be our clients, um, how do they feel about this place? You know, is there a pride in living there? What's the crime like? You know, how do you feel as law enforcement, city council, et cetera? And you you create this sort of positive circle of influence so that you can go in together and turn these places around, keeping in mind that there's a lot of really good people that live there and that the goal is not to push them all out so that you can raise rents and make a high profit. The goal is to change the community, make it a better place to live. And of course, through all of the maintenance issues you have to pay for and the renovations, you're going to make these places a lot nicer to live. You're going to raise rents to a certain extent, but not so much that it exceeds what the market is charging, right? Um, so that if if the average rents in the market are $200 higher, well, your goal might be to get to that point at some point, but you're not going to just come in and raise the rents two, $300 because a lot of people couldn't afford that. It'd be shock and awe, right? But the ultimate goal really is safety first, safety of your tenants first, and then to start addressing those maintenance issues because uh, you never want people living in an apartment with like no air conditioning and a really hot environment and things of that sort. So you start addressing those issues. And the way to do that is just to literally go door to door and ask them, please fill out this document or just tell me what's been going on so we can make this better for you, right? So the first thing is to identify what's going on and to try to get uh, buy-in from the community, try to get buy-in from your tenants, right? Get buy-in from the city council, et cetera. And, and so it's a team effort, not just uh, greedy landlords coming in to raise rents. That's just not how this stuff works. You can't, you can't do this. You can't take over an apartment complex uh, and, and rent it by be, just being greedy and focusing on raising your rents because you know, in an environment like that, generally, you're not going to get a bunch of new tenants that are going to pay really high rents anyway, because it's a rougher environment, or maybe it's a rougher property. So your best bet is to take care of the current clients you have, and slowly but surely raise those rents that in a way that works for them as you fix things or renovate apartments and move them into them, and get everybody to buy in, right? And you do fun things like you have contests, right? For folks that sign new lease, you give away TVs, you have fun, you have barbecues, you have community events. We've done things where we've invited the uh, the police in to let the kids crawl through their their police car so they feel safe and they understand what the police are all about. We've had circumstances where we've put in up to 16, 20 cameras sometimes and um, and give law enforcement access to those cameras so they can see what's going on. And the really good tenants, they stay. They embrace that. They want to be safer. They want their kids to be able to go outside and play. The troublesome tenants usually leave because Big Brother doesn't care what they're doing. By and large, most people don't have time to sit there and look at cameras. They don't care what the average tenant's doing. They care if somebody's doing dirt. They care if there's trouble in the neighborhood, right? And so I can tell you through this process from personal experience, we as, as uh, sponsor groups buying apartment complexes like this have actually received emails from uh, a chief of police saying, hey, thank you so much for turning a community around. As a matter of fact, uh, they were getting up to uh, five calls a week at one property we took over, and they said that they had received one or two calls in three months, uh, about six months after we took over. And that was because the 16 to 20 cameras, 
um, the license plate readers, the security fencing, the lighting just lit that place up. Right. So troublesome tenants don't want to be there. The people doing doing dirt don't want to be there. And that's exactly what we want. We want kids to come out and play. We could actually see on the cameras through time that more and more kids were coming out and playing in the yards. Right. The dogs, the, the really scary dogs, uh, those tenants had left. Right. Because they weren't supposed to have those dogs anyways. And uh, and and when you had the community events, you had the barbecues, you had the food trucks, things like that. The kids would come out and play and they go through the police cars and they're having fun and they go and leave Google reviews, right? I'll read you some of these Google reviews. And so that's really what you're trying to do. You're, you're trying to make it a better, safer place to live. And of course, as you raise rent slightly, um, those tenants stay because they can afford a bump in rent, right? They just want to have a warm, safe place to live. And again, you're not talking about raising rents five, $600 as soon as you take over, you're talking about fixing things. I mean, sometimes you might put millions of dollars into fixing all the leaks, all the issues, new roofs, paving, things of that sort. Um, it's a lot, it's a lot that goes into these properties, but the ultimate goal is to, um, create an environment where your clients, the people who literally pay the bills and help keep these places moving, it's a business, um, no different than a retail environment. Um, they'll stay and they'll be happy to pay a little bit higher rent, right? They'll be happy to bring their family and friends to move in too, because they, they know it's a safer place to live. So I'll read you just a couple of, of these like Google reviews and reviews on like apartments.com and stuff on a few of these buildings. Um, these were like after takeovers, right? And this is a nice place to live because it's located in a good area surrounded by stores and restaurants and walking distance. They're very friendly and fast. If you need maintenance service, uh, on your apartments, um, uh, the apartments are nice and clean and they're very prompt to respond. Um, my little place of comfort. Management is awesome. The whole staff, uh, from management to maintenance, uh, is great. My neighbors have been very welcoming and, and enjoyable to live around. I would definitely recommend these townhomes, uh, to anyone look for a great place to live. And these are all like five stars. Um, of course you have the one or two stars. I'm going to give you one or two of those in a second. Um, I've lived here for a few months and I love my home. I wasn't sure at first. Um, but after talking to the new manager, and the residents, I'm glad I came in to apply. I feel comfortable because the security cameras, the response is immediate, and I've had no issues. Um, I would recommend this to my family and friends uh, if they're looking for a new home. Uh, here's another one. Before new ownership, XYZ, townhomes was a dump uh, with a slumlord ownership. The new ownership came in and repaved the streets. They landscaped, 100% improved, set up new lighting, security cameras. Tenants feel so much safer out here um, because no one wanted anyone to know they lived out here. Now people are proud to tell their friends where they live. You see, that right there literally gives me goosebumps because I was on this property. I was there the month before we took over, and I could tell you that this was a pretty scary place. And uh, I was a police reserve as a volunteer for several years, and I saw some really rough stuff out there. Um, I saw what people were capable of, and I, I actually went into a lot of these kinds of apartments. And um, we were really looking forward to making this a, a better place to live for, for these community members and uh, and it's really amazing. Um, many of them actually came up to us as we were going through the properties, renovating and doing things. And I uh, just thanked us. And you could just tell they were they were really happy. They were going to be able to raise their kids in a safe environment. It's just it's just absolutely awesome. Um, here's another one. The beginning of the year, new owners came in and it's so pleasing to live here now. Uh, they've been working really hard, making changes every time I need them to fix something uh, or anything inside my apartment. They come and fix it right away. The apartment building looks great uh, from the inside and out. And here's a couple more. After living here for two years, uh, the old property manager never fixed anything. Now the new owners have been here a couple months, came to the apartment, fixed the issues, and my apartment looks brand new. 
Uh, they literally just built everything from scratch uh, that was wrong. Um, and we love the new owners and property managers. Um, okay, uh, next one. Now it's safer to live here since the change of the owners. Things have been improving. Uh, next one, new management has really turned this place around. So those are some of the great reviews, right? And of course, you always get a couple of one or two or three stars, right? But I want to give you an example of what a one or two a star looks like after a, a turnover or a turnaround. Um, this is one of those tenants who probably should have not been there. And we were happy to uh, happy that he moved on. So I'm going to give you the summary of his review. But he basically left a one-star review and stated that he was being evicted because he was in a shootout and it was, and he was in a shootout because he was defending himself and he can't believe that he is being evicted. Now, uh, just to put a little color on this situation. Um, yes, he was defending himself, but, um, they, the, the two parties got into a fight and we got everything on camera. You could see it and they got into a big physical fight and then they both pulled weapons out at the same time, literally, and started shooting at each other. And um, it it was ridiculous for him to say he was defending himself and he shouldn't be evicted because there was a no weapons tolerance policy in that property, right? No drugs, no weapons. Um, safety is the number one concern. And there are cameras up everywhere and there are signs up everywhere. And everyone knew that. So literally everyone involved, there was three apartments, they all got evicted. And of course, these were the last, the last few of some of the troublesome tenants that probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. But you see, this is an example of somebody who shouldn't be there. And, um, and we were happy that they moved on. Now, what's interesting is this, uh, uh, one of those three individuals actually reached out to city council and, and complained and city council backed us up because they knew what we were doing in there. We we're doing everything right. And we did everything with ethics and integrity and did everything to better the community and make it safer. And so of course, anybody involved with, um, you know, troublesome tenants, guns, violence, drugs, uh, things of that sort is not going to be tolerated. City council and the sheriffs don't want it either. And uh, we're happy for them to move on. So this was an example of a one star, right? Um, and, and you get them, but, but um, not really validated because um, this gentleman should have just moved on. Um, and we actually gave him plenty of time. We just told him he had to move on and we were not going to renew his lease. Um, we actually didn't evict him. We waited till his lease ran out, but he still didn't want to leave. So um, that'll give you some color. So, how this works generally is when someone buys an apartment complex, they look at it and say, okay, well, what work needs to be done to fix this up and bring it up to standard? And as a result of that money that goes in and gets infused, how much do the rents need to go up to justify those costs, right? So it's like fixing an old car, right? It costs to fix an old car. And then uh, generally that car is worth a little bit more right? Um, it's, it's no different than like a car you buy with insurance. If you buy a really nice newer car, the insurance is a little bit higher, right? To replace that car if it gets into an accident. Well, same thing with an apartment. Put a bunch of money into it. Taxes go up. Time goes by. Inflation goes up. And obviously, you have to charge a little bit higher rent because you have to pay for all that stuff. You have to justify it, right? And that's just kind of how it works. But the goal is never to just put people out on the street. Let me give you another quick example talking about covid so like during during covid there was a um there was a lot of tenants that, that didn't have to pay rent but by and large it, it was crazy like most of them did and the ones that didn't that fell into hardship that were maybe scared to take government assistance um most landlords worked with them because they are clients nobody wants to just evict people and by and large, landlords wrote off a lot of those losses and let people stay by and large I know you heard different in the media but by and large they did and or 
uh, folks finally came around to getting some government assistance and were able to stay anyways, because ultimately it costs a lot more to evict somebody than to just let them stay and work with them. Right. So I can tell you from firsthand accounting, that's just the way it works. And, and same thing with single family. There's instances in single family outside the larger multifamily um, class of property or asset class of property, let's say, where um, I've had instances where I've had two duplexes across the, the parking lot from each other. And one duplex had a troublesome tenant, somebody who had a lot of thugs over, throwing cigarette butts, yelling, screaming, partying, literally scaring the senior tenants that were only across the driveway from them, literally scaring them, right? So we put up cameras and of course we monitored all that. We have to notify the tent like, hey, you're going to have to go. We can, we don't tolerate that, right? There's noise issues and et cetera. Police were called out multiple times. It's like, you know, those are the kind of tenants we don't want in our apartment complexes. You, you just can't do it. It's supposed to be a safe environment for everybody, right? So uh, do rents go up? Sure, rents go up, but they need to go up at a reasonable rate uh, that's justified by the uh, value add component or the money that you're putting into the property. And tenants that are reasonable and want to work with landlords and and pay their rents uh, can certainly stay. It's no problem, right? Um, we've even had uh, rent controlled properties where they were LIHTC, low income tax credit properties, where you could only raise the rents a certain amount because the government pays part of those rents. We've had up to 400 units like that. And in those properties, um, you get a lot of folks that um, have low income, right? Folks, maybe you'll have single mothers with several kids, uh, single, a lot of single parents, right? You have folks that are on a fixed income. You have a lot of seniors. You have folks uh, that that have families that maybe have one job and they just can't afford to live in a in a in a more expensive um, apartment or in a market that has higher rents, right? Like, um, you know, a, a maybe a a B type or an A type property. We have managed properties like this, so we understand this tenant base, and we've managed the really nice stuff with the infinity pools and the new construction stuff. Uh, we've managed a little bit of everything, including all the single families, and so we have a we have a tolerance for that. We understand that it just takes compassion and understanding with people. And the crazy thing is, is again, fact or fiction, right? What you think and what you see and hear is actually not what happens. For the most part, landlords and tenants work together. For the most part, landlords want to keep tenants in their units because it costs a lot more to evict them and to fight with them and to push them out. If a tenant is reasonable and safe and not causing problems like crime and drugs and things of that sort, you're going to work with them and keep them in there. And oftentimes, like you might get somebody with disabilities or, or issues that can't move. And so you may not raise their rents as high. You're, you try to work with people, you try to help them. But, but that's fact and fiction, right? I would encourage anybody who really doesn't know to actually ask a sponsor group or a syndicator to explain their experience in dealing with you know, um, taking over a building and how did they treat the tenants? What did they go through? What were some of the trials and tribulations? What are some of the facts? Separate the fact from fiction and you'll be in the know, right? Um, there's lots of charity work that goes on, right? Um, you know, local charity work. I mean, our organization has fed over a million people through through a partnership with Feeding America um, as a result of just trying to give back and make a difference. We've given away lots of prizes to tenants and, and uh, discounted rents and done all kinds of stuff, even during COVID, lowered rents in some cases, try to help people. So, um, there, there's a little facts, fact from fiction, right? Now you're kind of in the know. Um, what happens when you take over a multifamily apartment complex? Is it uh, gloom and doom? Is it chaos? Is everyone evicted in a mass exodus? No, it absolutely is not. 
for the most part, you're bettering the communities, you're working with the tenants, you're, you're trying to make it a better, safer place to live. And, and for the most part, this is what happens with these apartment complexes, regardless of maybe what you see online every once in a while or here on the news. That stuff sells. Um, you know, obviously they're trying to get more eyeballs, you know, some of these articles that are written and things of that sort. But just like you heard during COVID, no one's paying, buildings are going out of business, everyone's evicting this, that, and the other. That absolutely was not the case. We managed uh, uh, over 1,500 doors at that time and wrote off very little money and had very little problems. Um, most tenants are very good and most landlords are very good. Um, it's it's just about working together and communicating. Um, I've personally spoken with many tenants and heard their stories and actually worked with them. And sometimes it's just a personality thing. Maybe your manager um, doesn't have the right personality for a, a certain type of tenant. And as long as you're willing to listen, you can pretty much make anything happen. So um, I, I hope that answers some of those questions that we get. That's that's a, that's a little bit about what happens when you take over an apartment complex to the existing tenants in the community. And the short answer uh, is, to summarize, um, tenants actually love it when someone takes over and betters the apartment complex and starts finally fixing things. And um, the local community likes it as well because you usually are turning around an eyesore and uh, and uh, making it a better place for everybody, a better, safer place. And when you're building a brand new complex, which is something we do as well, you're obviously adding a big, beautiful property to that area, right? You're creating more housing that's closer to amenities like transit, wellness centers, retail, things of that sort. And so so that's always a fun thing too, right? Taking an area where people couldn't live before because there's no housing and you're building a big, beautiful property that has a demand, right? And, and that's a fun thing too. So um, again, this is Chris. Hope this has been helpful. Please tune in for future episodes of the Create Your Fortune podcast because we're going to keep answering those questions. We're going to keep adding all kinds of bits of knowledge. Thanks. If you're ready to start creating your fortune today, head over to createyourfortunepodcast.com forward slash income. When you get to the page, there are two options. Option one is for you if you're not sure exactly how the investment process works or how to get ready to be an investor. We've created a short, fast class you can sign up for that will walk you through the steps and answer questions like, what does a good investment look like? And so much more. It even includes an audio version so you can quickly learn on the go as you golf, go to your day job, or work out. Just think, in a couple of days, you can start listening and learning about creating your fortune and not be stuck wondering, do I even have enough to retire? And then option two is for you if you're a sophisticated or accredited investor and have money to invest, you just need to talk to us about our next investment opportunity. You can quickly schedule a call with us and we can walk you through your options on how to get dividends flowing right away. We can help you create a plan to have three to 10,000 or even more in passive income every month that's reliable, safe, and steady. Ditch the small returns and unpredictable growth. Head over to createyourfortunepodcast.com forward slash income and let's build the life of your dreams today.